Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Honestly, I'm approaching what I'm getting ready to say with a bit of fear and trembling. Um, and, and part of that reason is because I had a completely different plan for today. And this morning, uh, while I was ironing my shirt, don't, I'm not promising that I think it looks like it was ironed. I did my best. <laughs> but I tried. I at least got the collar somewhat down instead of up. So, but while I was doing that, I felt like the Lord told me I need to change what I'm talking on. How many of you know that if you're preparing a sermon, like last minute is not the best time <laughs> to be told that you're changing everything you're talking on. Did you guys know that? Like, come on. It, it, we don't just come up here and wing it usually. All right? But, but I, I'm almost winging it right now. I've got some notes and, because I had a little time to put down on here what the Lord showed me. Um, but I really felt like God wanted me to speak into something I, I feel that I owe to you guys as the leader of this church to, to help you to see where my value system and perspectives comes from with things such as the election coming up. Now, I am not going to tell you guys who you should vote for because that's between you and the Lord. That's not what this is going to be about. This is not going to be a, a party discussion, okay? What this is going to be is a kingdom discussion, and kingdom does apply to things that happen on this earth, okay? I, on my Facebook page the other day, if any of you guys noticed this, I posted something that I, when I did that, I did it with fear and trembling too. I felt like I needed to do it, and I felt a grace on it. I, I posted a question on there, had to do with where, where Christian values come from that could vote for a, for a candidate, I'm not going to say anything about all that stuff, but how, how, because I've got a perspective and value systems, why I'm voting, and I feel like it weighs a whole lot more on the side of God's heart for eternal things than for just political social issues, okay? Um, how, how can people vote the other things knowing that with that vote um, is also approving immoral choices, Okay. Again, my sermon today is not going to be about which party. Please give me grace if you're worried about that. But, but in what, what I did, though, is I actually, it, 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 it opened Pandora's box. <laughs> I, I looked back in an hour to see if anybody replied, and nobody replied. And I'm like, okay, because usually with these things, you're going to get a pretty instant response. I was like, all right. And then my friend Nick Robinson, who used to come here, posted a meme of a guy going <laughs> like like where is everybody because it felt maybe it felt like people were I mean it's a bold thing to speak into there was over 300 comments on that thing it was bizarre it blew up and it took me a long time to sift through all that and to read it and to reply where I felt like I needed to and stuff um, more time than I wanted to, but I felt like I needed to steward that. And so, but, but with that, there was a lot of common themes that came up. My goal in posting it was not to try to 
arm wrestle somebody into changing their mind. It wasn't to try to tell people my, my vote or my opinion is better than yours. It was to try to actually understand like where people are coming from. How many of you guys know that most of the conflicts that people have are, are because they're not willing to try to understand the other person? And it doesn't mean that the, the, a person has to be right and the other person's wrong for there to be connection. It means we need to try to understand the heart of the other person so that we can actually see it through their angle so that we can at least give them the benefit of the doubt that, that maybe they're making a choice or a decision or a, have a perspective that, that actually in their heart feels like a good one. Whether, whether I agree with it or not is not so much the issue as can I understand where you're coming from? Can you try to understand where I'm coming from? Can we connect with understanding? Does that make sense? That's called maturity, by the way. The inability to do that is called immaturity. And I'm not saying that a mature person is mature in all their ways. Like sometimes we're mature in some ways and not in others. So uh, anyway... One of the things that, that I saw commonly brought up in that discussion um, was people, people who don't believe in abortion, but, but all the other values, like maybe all together collectively, makes that vote okay, even though it comes with the fallout of that one. Does that make sense? And so... I'm not, I'm not going to focus on abortion this morning either, but I am bringing it up because this is a big deal. Um, so a lot of people think that Christians are voting as a single-issue vote. And, and it, they think that it's only about the abortion thing and we're totally taking a blind eye to all the other things. And for me, I can't vouch for anybody else. I know that some people, it's a single-issue vote, and I'm, I'm cool with that if that's where you're at. For me, there's a lot more issues that really weigh with eternal values than only that one, that's probably the biggest one, though, all right? But, uh, but I, I also have heard people say on my feed and elsewhere that they don't, they don't like abortion, they think it's wrong, but, but there's all these statistics and factual data that uh, if you look through history, there's, there's more abortions during a Republican president and less during a, a Democrat president, even though, even though like Republicans tend to say we think this needs to get abolished and the, you know, Democrats tend to fight for it. Uh, I'm talking party. I'm not saying every single person, so not, I'm not targeting anybody. Um, but the concept is that if abortions decrease during the Democratic um, era or term, that what that proves is that even though um, they're endorsing the law, endorsing um, the right to have abortion, pro-choice, that, um, that because the, the numbers go down, that actually proves that allowing it um, actually has better effects because it's, it's making it less. And I can see where, where that comes from. Um, some people think that, that legalizing marijuana is actually a move towards trying to decrease um, drug use. And so, like, if, if we say it's okay, then less people are going to do it. And, and okay, 
I understand the philosophy. I lived in California, and I know that it increased all over the place. But that's beside the point. We smelled that stuff coming through our windows all the time. And uh, anyway, it, it's, it's possible that the, I'm, not, I'm not here to argue the facts and figures. It, it probably, maybe it does go down. But, but to me, that's like, if, if the argument that the numbers go down when we say you can, for whatever the reasons are, I'm, I'm cool that there might be reasons for that. But to, to say that that means that it's okay to legalize it, in my perspective, would be equivalent of saying that it's okay to legalize pro-choice murder. If somebody does you wrong, you have the right, you don't have to, it's your, it's your choice, but you have the right to murder that person because of whatever reason, you have the right to, um, and, and maybe, maybe that might bring the numbers of murders down. I don't think it would, but, but what if it did? Does that mean that it's okay to make pro-murder? Okay. Now again, where I'm headed is not about abortion. I'm just bringing this up with the reason. I'm going to go somewhere with this. I'll, I'll get off that topic here in a second. My, my message, the purpose of my message is not to talk about politics. It's not to prove any points. I'm going to actually talk about kingdom perspective on this whole thing. Uh, and that's where I'm headed. I'm not trying to coerce anybody. I imagine probably the majority of you guys have already gone voted anyway, so I probably missed my chance to try to do that. I'm not going to try to. But I want to bring a kingdom perspective to the table. And you might see me looking at my notes because I literally, this is fresh off the press, guys. Um, God does not see these matters in political terms. He doesn't look at the issues that we're voting for or against politically. He doesn't look at them with an earthly lens. He doesn't look at them from a party. And by the way, I don't believe that a Democrat or a Republican party is more or less Christian because you can't get into heaven through politics. It's completely separate. It's of another kingdom. All right? This is an earthly, lower quality kingdom from the one that we live from. In Isaiah 55, 6 through 8, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. Hallelujah. And to, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Hallelujah, God, for mercy. That's the heart that we need to partner with. But he goes on, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. So we need to understand that God is not viewing these things the way the world views them. He's not, he's not focusing on vote counts. He's, vo he's focusing on morals and kingdom values. Amen? I would like to remind us that the creation of God is made up of three realms. There's the first heaven realm that we call the earth and the sky. It's, it's the tangible, physical realm that we live in. There's the second heaven realm, and that is where 
the Bible says, I believe it's in Ephesians 2, 1 maybe, it, it, it says that, that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And so there's a second heaven realm where principalities and powers and dominions live and rule and reign from, and they actually have jurisdictions on this earth. Let me say, they don't automatically get those jurisdictions. They receive them by people who hand it over to them. And then there's a superior kingdom, superior realm, the third heaven realm. That's the realm that Paul said, I don't know if I was in my body or not, but I went to the third heaven where the paradise is, and I saw Jesus. Come on. And in Ephesians 2.6, it says we're seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And it says at the end of Ephesians 2, or sorry, chapter 1, that Jesus was lifted above every principality and power and dominion in the heavenly places that were put under his feet. And he was seated at the right hand of the Father. And so we as Christians, born again, whether we understand it or not, our spiritual reality is that we're seated in the third heaven realm with Jesus Christ in the Spirit. But we also live in a physical body that walks on this first heaven realm. And the Lord's intentions are to bring heaven to earth. My, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the Lord has put us here as, as ambassadors of heaven in a foreign land. That's us right here on this earth. This is not our realm that we live from. We live in it, and we're here to influence it and to bring transformation to this place. But we live from that place. And in between those two realms is a second heaven realm where demons and spirits rule and reign. And I'll say this, I believe that angels also rule and reign in that realm. Often when we talk about principalities and powers, we think of the fallen angels, Satan and a third of the angels that were cast out of heaven, were, were sent to the earth, and this became their, their place that they, they couldn't live in heaven anymore. So this is their place, but they hang out in the sky, the principalities, the powers, the prince of the air, the lowercase g, God of this world. Because Adam and Eve forfeited the domain that God created for mankind to have. They yielded it to the deceiver, and he became the Lord of this earth through deception. It was supposed to be Adam and Eve. It was supposed to be mankind's. It's supposed to be yours and mine. And Jesus came here to restore all things that God has sent to establish on this earth. And so he sent Jesus, and he died on the cross. We know the whole thing. He didn't only redeem us back into his family. He also reestablished to us that we get the keys of authority to the domain of this earth in his name. Because Jesus took all the keys of authority back from Satan into his hand. So now anything that happens on this earth, there's the choice. We either yield it to the kingdom of God and we create open heaven spaces for the domain of heaven to come in and establish 
the rule and reign of Christ, which is not man's form of government. It's the kingdom in our midst. Where, where blessing can come in. Where the things that are in heaven, the will of God, can be established on this earth in our midst. We get to carry the, the mission of heaven to bring the blessing of heaven to this earth. But people who choose to, to live according to a different set of rules, there's only two kingdoms, guys. There's only two kingdoms. There's not out there a heaven kingdom and out there a demon kingdom, and but we got our earth kingdoms. No. No, everything that happens on this earth is actually under the influence of something in the spirit realm that's bigger than what we can see. And I want to tell you that all the chaos that we see in our nation right now that looks like it's polarized by parties, it's way bigger. Like what we see that looks horrible or nuts or whatever, that's just a little tiny morsel of what's happening in that realm if we could see the crazy warfare that's going on in that realm. Now I'm thankful that Jesus has, has grafted us into him and that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ and we're hidden in Christ and we walk on this earth and so we actually bypass that whole second heaven realm. We don't have to actually come under the influences of that. Like that, that's not even, doesn't need to even be part of our, our experience in this world. We get to live separate from that. Hallelujah. But people who don't have Christ are under that, under the influence of that. And we're spirit, soul, and body. If we function from the spirit, connected to Christ at the throne, and we're body walking this earth, but we keep it in order that our body and our soul, which is our intellect and our emotions, our will, all these things, that if we bring those things into submission to our spirit that's seated with Christ in heavenly places, we get to live from that domain right here. Come on. And I don't care who wins the election, I'm going to still live from that domain. They can't take that away from me. No matter what legislations happen. They can't, you cannot legislate that we're, we have to submit to the second heaven realm. Hallelujah. And, but, but here's where I'm going. What's going on in this earth? People come into agreements. That are, that are influenced by things that are in the invisible realm. And so there's agreements with heaven and the values of God, and those agreements bring blessing and protection, inheritance. But if we come into agreements with satanic kingdom, whether we know it or not, it does not matter if we're like, oh, I want to do what Satan's doing. That sounds like a good idea. No, he's a deceiver. He comes as an angel of light. He makes things that he does appeal to people and, and can reason with people why it's okay. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. He reasoned them into a really bad decision that looked really good. All right? So there's reasonings that happen, and he's the author of confusion. You guys hear me? So when people come into agreements... What they come into agreement with is going to determine the spiritual influences that are empowered in their lives in those agreements. So if we come into agreements with kingdom values, heaven comes and blesses it. If we come into agreements with things that are anti-Christ, the anti-Christ spirit comes 
and, and latches and influences and binds and oppresses. And you might make things look like it's blessing, but it's actually putting people in shackles. Amen? So what does this have to do with this week? <laughs> A whole lot. How many of you guys know that, <clears throat> that leaders, especially God-appointed leaders, represent the people that they lead before the Lord? That's a real thing. And you're looking at somebody right here that God is doing that with. But, but it doesn't matter what level or what position. The Lord looks to the leaders to represent the people. And so, so he, he's, he sees emulated in that person the determinants of what he's, how he's going to respond to the domain that that person has authority in. Okay? There's so many things we could teach about God's perspective and value systems for authority and submitting to authorities and, and how it affects everything. I don't have time for all that, but I'm going to touch a little bit because God's concerns are far, far higher than the vote count. Okay? Leaders represent God, or the people before God. God doesn't plan or make his moves based on the democracy of the people. He does it based on his will. Because his ways are higher than ours. He knows more than we do. Amen? He sees things that we don't see. All right? Praise the Lord, because I know I would have put myself in a pickle many times. I already have many times, but he's saved me from many more. He knows better than I do. In the Old Testament, the, the, the government of, of Israel included the, the tabernacle. It included priests that served the Lord daily on behalf of the whole nation. And the, and the Lord always had appointed a high priest. And, and their terms, you know, were were whatever span of time, but the high priest would go in the tabernacle and would minister before the Lord on a daily basis, and, and they would do all the ritualistic things they did, but they actually had, uh, they had these garments and spe specific clothing that God crafted for them. One piece of this was a breastplate that had 12 gems in it. If I remember correctly, it was four across and three rows. Each one was a different gem, and each gem represented a tribe of Israel. So he would bear the nation over his heart in the presence of the Lord, interceding on behalf of the nation. When everybody else is out there sinning and doing their things, he's in there worshiping the Lord, bearing the people, representing the people, interceding on their behalf making sacrifices daily to try to cover sins. Thankfully, we're not under that anymore. Jesus took care of it once and for all. Amen? But, but the point that I'm wanting to make in this is that God, who was not, uh, he, he didn't live in a tent. He lived, like he, the tent is way too small. Like even all of heavens is not big enough for God. And the earth is simply a footstool. But somehow he squeezed himself into that place to love his nation. But he, look, he would look upon the, the leader that he had appointed to represent the people, 
to bear the people upon his chest before the Lord in intercession, and God would forgive the land through the representation. The Lord looks at the leaders and sees the whole people through them. You guys hear me on this? So the high priest, when he sees the person, he sees the nation. Moses was, a, was appointed to lead a nation. And, and if God focused on the vote of the people, they would have been dead within a week. They left the gate complaining about everything. God was not listening to the vote of the people. He's listening to his destiny for them. And he loved them so much that he overlooked many, many times the complaints and the desires that they wanted that were inferior than what he wanted because they didn't see what he saw. And Moses represented the people and he got on his knees and his face and he repented on behalf of the people many times and the Lord stopped plagues and he stopped, he stopped crushing the people that deserved to be crushed. He, 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 he ended diseases and all these things because the man looked to the Lord and said, on behalf of them, I repent. And the Lord saw that, and, his, and he moved in with mercy and grace on the people. The man that God was looking to made a difference for the entire nation. You guys hear my heart? He didn't base it on the vote. He based it on the man who stood between God and them to represent him and, and, and carrying God's values to the Lord, praying for the people. God appointed David, a man after his own heart, to lead the nation. And, and, you know, we all know that if we read the stories of these people, there's plenty of sins and flaws and character issues, but we're not going to spend time on that. All right? Because that's, God is looking more at the heart of willingness to submit and obey the things that he's doing on behalf of the nation. Because it's not about the man. It's about the nation. I have so many things I could say. Josiah, King Josiah. I want to talk about him for a moment. And as a matter of fact, I want to read out of 2 Kings chapter 21, if you want to turn there. I'm going to read a few verses here. Before Josiah was appointed a king, there was a previous king to him named Manasseh. If you guys have ever read or would ever read the history of Israel, it's a, it's a roller coaster. During one king, they're worshiping the Lord. During the next king, they're abandoning God and going to pagan idols. And then the Lord brings, he brings um, discipline, punishment upon his people, not because not he wants them to suffer, but because he wants to wake them up and to recognize if I repent, God can heal our land again. And, and then, then after a period of time of them being under punishment for their sins, and then when they finally, maybe they start waking up or maybe they don't, but, but God gets a king who loves him and he listens to that king because that king wants to set things right in the nation and the Lord brings 
uh, he, he lifts off the, the pain that he puts on the land, and they get reoriented again with God's kingdom. Over and over and over it happens in the Bible. Manasseh was an evil guy. It says he was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah, something like that. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He rebuilt the high places, which Hezekiah's father had destroyed. So the high places were actually pagan altars up on the hills and the mountains. All right? They, they, he, he actually, because God had commanded his people, do not let pagan gods in your nation. This is going to be a holy nation. They started bringing in pagan gods and setting up altars and bales and asherahs and all these, all these things and started worshiping other gods. And, and it made God upset. All right? He did not like it. And so it goes through here and it tells all the things he did. It's horrible. They started using witchcraft and, and spiritists and mediums, um, carved images of the Asherah. All these things are like pagan and, dis- and God despises these things. Where's, I want to find this one verse in there. Verse 9, it says, they paid no attention. Wait a minute. That's not the verse I wanted. Oh, verse 6, it says, Also, he made his son pass through the fire. He made his son pass through the fire. Do you know what that means? It means there was a god named Malek. And the people to worship this god would actually put their child inside the fire of this demon statue and burn it to death as an as a offering. It's the same thing as abortion, except they've already been born. Malek, it's a demon god. All right? This angered the Lord. But then you go into the next chapter, 22, after Manasseh and then another king that had two years, um, who were, they were both were evil. Josiah, what a dude. He was only eight years old, and he became the king. <laughs> that blows my mind. I can't even imagine David in two years being a king. That's, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. He cleaned his room finally the other day. Like, that's good. A king? All right, he could do it. His name's David for a reason, but a little older. All right. But it says in verse 2 of 22, it says that he, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of his father, David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. And so I'm not going to read it all, but the story goes that when he got older, um, he, he, w- he sent some people to try to do some things to bring a little order to the, to the temple or the tabernacle temple just to help with the church stuff going on. But while they were in there, they discovered the Bible, the book of the law, because it had been hidden all these years under the pagan r- rulership. And, excuse me, they found it. They started reading it, started realizing, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Those things up on those mountains, you despise those? Those astropoles, you mean you, those defile you? The Baals, are you telling, like he didn't even know until they read it in the Bible that, that these things were actually 
pagan, demonic spirits that were cast out of heaven that people were worshiping. And, and the Lord said, we've got to cleanse our land of these things. So he, he, he's, he becomes a reformer. He went from a good king to a reformer. He started going around and tearing down the altars. Going after everything that was actually inviting the principalities to have domain in that land because they came into agreements with the things that they wanted. It actually invited curse and destruction and evil into the land. And so what did Josiah do? He went around and he tore all those things down. He went for the jugular. Let me tell you, he didn't take a vote before he did it. He didn't try to see if people are going to be okay with it or not. He wasn't concerned about the, how the people felt about him. He was concerned about how God felt about this. And he wanted to do what he could to align the land. He was one man representing an entire nation, going for the jugular, looking for how he could crush Satan in every place that he had agreements on this place and gave him the invitation to plague the land with evil. Are you guys hearing me? I'm talking about second heaven problems here, not political problems here. There's demonic stuff going on in the nation. Unfortunately, all that Josiah did, God still wasn't appeased because it was so bad in the land. But, but it says that, that he actually got to live out the rest of his reign in the peace of the Lord in the land. So somehow, because of him doing that, it actually brought peace to the nation, and he could rule until his last day with peace. Because of what he did. He didn't check with the people to see if, if, he, if they are cool with it or not. He did what he knew that God needed to see because he was God's man, his representation for his people. I want to tell you guys something. There's many times, you look at Gideon. He, he, they, they were overtaken by the Philistines, and his dad had an Asherah pole in his yard. And the angel came and said, hey, mighty man of valor. Who, me? I'm the least of Everybody, no, you're a mighty man, a, a champion of God, the angel said. And, and, you're, and God's going to raise you up to come against all these things. And so the first thing he did was he went and tore down the Asherah pole. He didn't ask his dad for permission. And people wanted to kill him for it. He violated what other people wanted to do what God needed. But through that, the Lord was able to raise up people in ambush. I'm not just talking about the, a political party because it was the demonic spirits behind it that God crushed. There's a spiritual battle in this stuff. You guys hear my heart? It's spiritual. There's so many things I could say and I'm not going to spend all the time on it. But like, to go after the things that are partnerships with the, the kingdom of Satan, it's not, to God he doesn't look at it like, well, you know, they, they endorse it and they condone it. And it's okay because the numbers are going to go down. No, that's awesome the numbers went down. All right? That's awesome. But the condoning, that's an agreement with demonic, malek kind of evil gods. P 
People aren't calling it that. That's okay. People aren't going to the clinics thinking about Malek. Probably not. Maybe somebody does. I don't know. But that's not what they're thinking. But it doesn't matter because Malek can actually show up in pride and selfishness. You guys hear me? My message is not about abortion. That is a real piece of this. But my point is that we need to understand that the value systems that we're looking at here have nothing to do with politics. It has to do with what kingdom are they in agreement with because that's the spirit that is inviting to rule and reign and take domain in the land. I personally am more concerned about values that impact eternity because there's a lot of those in the vote about things that have to do with immorality and especially in the sexual immorality realm. Okay, There's also things about um, real concerns about freedom of religion that could be coming down the pike. And that, these things are things that can really impact the ability to do things that are going to affect eternity. I don't care who it is in that place, as long as they're going to bring agreements of heaven on earth. I'm looking more at the partnerships in the spirit realm than I am the personality. Because what they do is going to go far beyond their four-year term. It's going to impact my grandkids. It's going to impact the, the blessing of the land. And I want to say, too, that I, I mentioned this earlier, that the, whoever gets elected and whatever their agreements are, it's not going to stop the kingdom from coming. Because God is looking to the church to be his remnant. And he looks to the remnant to be the one who invites his princi- the principality called the Prince of Peace, Jesus. We're the, Donald Trump or Biden, they're not going to be the one who, who, who gives him the permission, but they might be able to establish laws that create space where we can do that better. I don't think that the Lord is focused on getting a person in there and that's like, this is what it's all about is this person gets the role. Like it's all about that person. I think to God, that person is a representation of something way bigger than who that is. He's looking at the people and he's looking at what he's trying to do amongst the people. So that person, whoever becomes a president, or whatever role, this can apply way more than just this election, this whole message can. Okay, it's not just about Tuesday. This is a kingdom thing. But, but the Lord, I don't believe that he's looking at this as, all oh, right, I got that person in there for four years. I think he's looking at, like, I'm trying to get somebody in there so that it's not about them showing up. It's about who they're making the way for who can show up. So that person is not to be the one who it's all about, but he's supposed to come in as a servant, amen, as a vessel for the greater thing to come. And I see it more like 
Like, it's not like that position is like the Jesus showing up. No, it's like the John the Baptist showing up so that he can make the way straight for th- other things to come through. It's not just about him again. It's about you and me and anybody who's listening to this. It's about us too. That we need to be people who are making the way straight for the Lord. Because John the Baptist, it says he's the voice, the voice of one crying, crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough ways smooth and all flesh shall see, shall see the salvation of God. People thought that John the Baptist was the Messiah. They thought he was going to be their king. And he said, nope, it's not about me. I'm creating a way for him to come in. And that's what's going on this week. It's not about, that, that's not the king. They need to be the John the Baptist who makes way for the king to come in. But it's not just about them. I keep saying this. It's about you and me. Because the agreements that we make and what we choose is also partnering with the other realm. And we're determining who's coming in and bringing influence and power through our agreement. Do you guys hear that? And I'll tell you, people might get their candidate and celebrate it, but the agreements that they made in their own hearts is actually going to determine what influences can you're permitting in your life. It's way bigger. It's way bigger. And it's not just the vote. It's about every decision we're making in our lives. Every decision we're making in our lives. Everything that, every way that we're living our lives, we're making agreements with God's kingdom or Satan's kingdom. We're giving permission for the, the blessing to come in on that or for, for this thing to come in and put shackles on me so it can have control some way. Little by little, we can allow more and more shackle, more, more oppression. Do you guys hear me? I'm about done. We, we want we to pray into things. We want to we make the way straight for the Lord. Obstacles, whether it's mountains coming down, valleys coming up, crooked ways straightening out, we want to make it easy for the Lord to come in so that he can bring his salvation, he can bring his glory, so he can do his work. And so, it, yeah, the vote is important, and so is our prayer, so is our agreements, all these things, but we need to position ourselves in every way we can to be vessels of the Lord coming in to our land because he wants to bring revival. Amen. He wants to bring revival. And revival is coming. Amen. doesn't matter what happens on Tuesday or next Wednesday, the other week, if it takes that long. Doesn't matter. He's coming. But, but I would rather it come with peace than with unnecessary resistance. Amen? Amen? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Does not say against political parties. So we need to know where the battle is, we need to know what we're partnering with, and we need to know who wins ultimately and partner with him. You guys hear me? Is everybody all right? It's awkward, guys, sometimes for me to talk about these things because I'm not generally a, a political kind of a person, but to me this is not about politics. 
I, I post things on Facebook, and people probably think, Jesse's into politics. No, I'm not. I'm into the kingdom. I'm into us choosing our agreements and power in the kingdom of God. And that comes in the earthly realm, and we need to make a difference there. I'm going to invite Josh to come up to lead us in a prayer uh, regarding what we're talking about right now. Because I want us to pray as a church. Can you guys pray with us? We want to pray for the kingdom to come. We want to pray into these things. We want to pray that the right kingdom has as much access as it can through the agreements of people. We want to pray also that there will be peace. Because there's a lot of, like I said, the warfare that we see in this realm is small compared to that realm. And we want to pray that God will bring peace on us and it won't turn into craziness that some people are conspiring to bring. Thank you.